0: Let me invite you to turn to your Bibles to the first letter of John, first letter of John chapter five. We will read verse one to 17, but we will be considering uh, verses 16 and 17. First John chapter five, verse one to 17. And I read. and this is the testimony that god gave us eternal life and this and this life is in his son whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son of god does not have life i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask Anything according to his will, he heals us. And if we know that he heals us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Let's ask the Lord for help as we look at his word.
1: O oh Lord, indeed your word is cast, and your word is powerful, your word like a, the... A seed with life is powerful to transform, to change. And so,
0: our Heavenly Father, we plead with you that you would cause your word
1: to have power
0: this day in our midst, O Lord. Help, O Lord, that your word would help us to know you That your word will help us to know
1: ourselves. That your word would help us to know the work of Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that as your word goes forth, you will
0: warn the careless. We pray that as your word goes forth, you will strengthen the weak. We pray that as your word goes forth, it would heal. The sick. We pray, O Lord, that as your word goes forth, it would save the lost. O Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our midst to convict hearts, to help us so that we will not be distracted, to help so that we may gain every blessing from your word this day. May we not live here the same. Help me to proclaim your word faithfully, diligently, and clearly. May Christ be exalted. May he increase and may we all decrease as your word is preached. So be with us, O Lord, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, one of the I would say challenges of having a pastor who loves history is that you get to hear boring history lessons. And uh, I'm going to give you uh, just a small history lesson to set us up for today's uh, preaching. Now, during the, before or as the World War, the Second World War was coming towards an end, around 1944, thereabout, the Germans were being defeated in Europe and uh, the Allied forces had gone deep into German territory. And what happened is that there was a counterattack by the Germans. The Germans fought back in a last-ditch effort to try and defeat the Allies. And the counterattack was so uh, brazen that the allies were caught off guard and there was a huge loss, especially on the Americans and the British. And because of that great loss, because they had underestimated the, the power of a defeated foe, because this is already an army that is already defeated, that is being defeated, but because they had underestimated the strength And the capability of a defeated foe, what happened? They ended up losing a lot of ground, which they did win back the ground, but they had to fight even harder. And one of the calls at that time to the soldiers is be very careful, be watchful, because this enemy that we thought. We have already done with them. We have bombed their cities to rubble. We have bombed their industries. We might think we have defeated them and take it easy. We need to watch out. We need to be careful. And so the call went out to the soldiers on the ground
1: that be watchful, look and shoot, two commands. Don't waste time. Don't try and reason with the enemy.
0: Don't try and uh, waste time in trying to see, well, are, are they really that powerful? Are they really that strong? If the enemy is coming towards you, if you see them advance, respond and respond with maximum force. In the same way, dear brethren, the reality is that sin is a defeated foe for believers, isn't it? We see that in the Bible. In, in, I mean, read uh, Romans chapter 6 and see how sin is a defeated foe. We are dead to sin. That's what Paul says of us as believers. It is a foe that has no more power. It is broken. The backbone of sin is broken. But even though the backbone of sin is broken, sin can still bite. Sin can still bite. And the warning and the call goes out to us this day and this afternoon that be watchful, be careful, Do not think that this enemy whose backbone is broken cannot bite and therefore you can play around with them. Just like when you take a child to the, uh, let's say, animal orphanage and you have an animal, you you have these fierce animals that are caged. You have a lion or a cheetah or a leopard that is caged. What do the attendants still tell you? although that animal is caged, do what? Or rather, do not do what? Do not put your
1: finger through the the fence, isn't it? Because what will happen? If you do that, you will be two
0: or three fingers less after that experience, isn't it? Although this is an animal that is caged, although this is an animal that has been captured and subdued, watch out, Don't play around with it. Don't pet it. It's not a pet. The same thing with sin. It may be encircled. It is defeated in Christ. But watch out. Be on the lookout. Be careful with what you entertain in your own life. Be careful with your speech. Be
1: careful with your conduct. Be careful with your thoughts. Be careful with your desires. For sin, even though it is defeated, can still bite. And so this afternoon, I want us to have this message, watch and pray. Why? Because sin is serious. So John writes to this church about the reality of
0: sin as he comes towards the end of his letter. He has spoken about sin and the dangers of sin and how God has delivered us from the power of sin in Christ. But towards the
1: end, he still comes back to that subject. Lest we be careless. Lest
0: these brethren think that now that Christ has defeated sin, we can just relax. We can take our easy time. We don't need to pray for ourselves. We don't need to watch out for ourselves. We don't need to watch out for one another. He wants them, watch and pray. So I want us to see three things to help us to keep this charge. Why is it important that we keep this charge? Because, again, sin like a defeated enemy is often
1: on the counter-attack in our lives. So why must we watch and
0: pray? Why should we see the dangers of sin? Well, the first thing I want us to see is that we, you, we, we, must pray for those being ensnared by sin. And that's the first thing that he brings out to that church, to this church and to this church, Trinity Baptist Church, this morning. That we as a church ought to be on the lookout for one another. In verse 16 he says this, If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to the death, he shall, he shall ask God, and God will give him life. As John is coming to the close of his letter, he continues on the theme of prayer. And now he makes an application to the believers, to the saints. It is always a good thing to end our teaching with prayer or to end our teaching with encouraging people to pray. And we see John doing this. At the end, as he finishes his letter, he now calls the saints to pray. And now he calls them to pray for one another. But before they engage in prayer, he says, if anyone sees his brother, look at that. He doesn't say, if the pastors see or the deacons see
1: or the mature see, uh-uh. it is what? If anyone, it is
0: the responsibility of every Christian to take care of your fellow Christian. It is your duty to take care of the person seated next to you. It is your duty and your interest to ensure that the person seated next to you lives a godly life. And let me also put it the other way around. It is the duty of the person seated next to you to ensure that you live a godly life. Because sometimes we think of Christianity, sometimes we think of our Christian life as, Jesus Christ is my personal savior. Therefore, holiness is my personal business. No. Jesus Christ is your personal savior, but your holiness is our business. Your holiness is our responsibility. We have a right and we have a duty to follow up on you because God has commanded us to do so.
1: If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, they must respond.
0: We must respond. We can't simply say, well, you know, I'm not the pastor, or I'm not his husband or his wife. Oh, or I'm not even very close with that person, no. We must be those who take care of one another. We must be our brother's keeper.
1: John calls the church to be watchful in prayer and to be prayerful
0: for one another. It is important that he calls the church to pray for one another. And especially for those who are erring, those who are under heavy temptation, those who have begun to give in to sin. Now, why is this important that John gives this command? Well, it's because if you read the letter of 1 John, you will realize that it contains much about
1: the troubles in the church. There was desertion by false brethren. John also talks about
0: the release of what he calls the Antichrists into the church.
1: And he talks about the dangers of sin in our lives. And what normally happens is that when people hear such statements, or so when people hear about such
0: troubles, we might tend to withdraw. We might tend to think, well, that's a lot of work. I mean, I mean, the church, I mean, just imagine you are a member in this church. Saul's teachers had come in and they had drawn away a big chunk of the church. And on top of that, John says that. The evil one has unleashed antichrists into the church. You know what might happen? Someone might think, oh, that's too much for us. That's too hard for me. People might fold their hand and be content to give up the sinning brother or the sinning sister in our midst.
1: But John says, "No." It is your duty. It is your responsibility to ensure that they are healed of their spiritual sickness. John is here stating that our first respond, response to sin
0: is prayer for our sinning brother and sister. Now this does not mean that we do not confront sin. This does not mean, John is not saying that you simply pray and then you step back.
1: John is urging us to prayerfully confront the sinning brother. John is calling us to prayerfully seek out for the overwhelmed sister. Our attitude for the person
0: who is ensnared by sin should be guided by prayer. One of the things that we need to learn, and um, I remember someone asking me this question, how, how do I approach
1: someone who I have seen participating in a certain sin? And the first thing is pray and talk to them. Now, there can be situations where uh,
0: because of maybe the spontaneity of what has happened, it has happened so fast and so quickly that you have to speak to them. But even as you're speaking to them, do it prayerfully. Our attitudes, our heart always ought to be prayer. Oh Lord, please help me as I'm about to call this brother. Help me as I'm about to call this sister. Help me that I may
1: warn them, that I may rebuke them, that I may have
0: gentleness, that I may be clear. Because by this, some of the. One of the things we also need to do as we pray is also to pray that we are clear, isn't it? Because sometimes when we are confronting someone in sin, we tend not to be clear.
1: You talk about every other thing except the the sin. We need to
0: be very clear and we need to pray. That's why we need prayer. Before you even go to the pastor, go to God. That's what the Bible is calling us to. Don't be quick to call pastor, oh, hi, Percy, you know, I've just caught this person doing one, two, three. Because the first question I will ask you is, did you talk to them? Did you pray for them? Before you text them, did
1: you pray for them? Are you praying with them?
0: We need to be known to be a people who are prayerful. Why do we need prayer? Because it's only God who is able to give life. Do you see that? A very interesting word. It doesn't even say God will give him repentance, that God will even restore him. It says God will give him life. God is the only one who can give this thing that no other human being can give.
1: God is the only one who can walk on the heart of a brother or a sister who is backsliding and restore them. And that calls
0: us to be on our knees. That calls us to be people, a people who are a people who are dependent on God and not dependent on our own wise or smart words. our argumentation, because sometimes we tend to rely on our argumentation. No, depend on God. That's why we are on our knees, as we see when we notice. So we are always, as a church, on the lookout for one another.
1: We are always on the lookout for one another, lest sin grows in our midst.
0: We must be a church that is on the lookout for one another. And let me say this. How, for those who do not gather
1: with the saints, how how can you exercise this verse? It's almost impossible to exercise it, isn't it? How will you look out for me? How will I look out for you if I don't gather with you? If I don't
0: participate in midweek meetings, if I'm here on Sunday only for an hour and then I disappear, how can we as a church leave this out? Because this is a command, by the way. This is not something that we do when we feel it. We must exercise this as a church.
1: If you are not there, if you're not present, if you're not open, how can we exercise this? And again, this
0: is why, as pastors, we are constantly encouraging us to gather with the saints, to be in each
1: other's lives, not to live our own little lives in our own little corners. Because sin is serious. And it is looking for those whom it will master. Or, or who it can master,
0: and we need one another. Because there are, some, some, there are times when you are involved, or you are being given to a certain scene, and you don't realize it. Until someone just says something to you and tells you, by the way, I've noticed
1: that you like using this word, or this statement. Have you ever thought that, You could be struggling with covetousness.
0: Or I've realized that you are talking with this person in a certain way. Have you ever uh, noted that you could be causing a misunderstanding?
1: Or I've noticed
0: that there is a way that you spend your time from our conversations. I've noticed that you spend a lot of time watching TV or on the internet or on Twitter or on Facebook. Don't you think that's dangerous? And you realize, wow, okay, I never never seen that. I never noticed that. Or I'd never seen it to be that serious. Brethren, that's why we need one another. That's why we need to be in each other's lives. That's why you must allow other people to be in your life. I know we we live at a time where my life is my business. So please don't be into my
1: business. No, John is saying we must be in each other's business. We must be on the lookout for one another. We
0: must keep each other accountable. It is not the work of the pastors to do this. It is for everyone. It is not just the work of the mature in the church. It is the work of everyone in the body. And we will be learning uh, on the Sunday school class. Our brother Mark Mujivani is taking us through that. That how ministry is not just something for pastors. It is something for every member of the church. This is the reality. Pray, engage in prayer for one another. But then secondly... He tells us, yes, pray for those
1: who are ensnared. We must pray for them. But then there is a warning, a very clear warning as we pray for one another. If
0: you have not been convinced by what John has been saying about the uh, the dangers of sin from chapter 1 of his letter, Then he ensures that in verse 16 or verse 16 and 17, he brings out the reality very clearly that we must not underestimate the threat or the danger of sin. Look at what he says there is sin
1: that leads to death. Now, that's a shocking statement. And he puts it here so that we may see that sin is serious. Don't play around with it. Don't toy around with sin. So many people view this passage, the passage we are looking at this afternoon,
0: as one that teaches about a mysterious sin. But one of the things I want us to see or to note is that John is primarily teaching on the subject of
1: prayer. By the way, these two verses are about prayer. And he is teaching how
0: prayer is a means by which we can help one another to fight off
1: sin, to kill sin, to mortify sin. But the question still stands, and we'll need—I'll need to tackle it.
0: The question is this: What is this statement, or why would John use this statement—that there is a sin that leads to death?
1: Well, I want us to know first of all that all sin, even the least of sin
0: is in its own nature, mortal sin. In that it separates us from God, or deserving of death, because it is
1: going against a holy God. So all sin, no matter how small, is mortal. It leads to death. It leads to separation between man
0: and God. When our father Adam sinned, you know, sometimes I remember when I was in Sunday school, I would ask my Sunday school teacher, I mean, what was the big deal? Adam just went and he took a a fruit from a tree and he ate it. He didn't take a gun and shoot someone. He didn't go to a bank and Uh, Came out with uh, a a gunia
1: full of money. But what Genesis chapter 3 shows us is sin is sin. As simple as looking at a tree, taking the fruit,
0: and eating it against God's law, against God's word. Brought what? Death. On the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. Do not underestimate the power of sin. Don't just say, well, you know, it's just a small sin. It's just something I'm doing in my room by myself. No one is seeing me. I'm not involving other people. It is sin. And it deserves death. And for us as believers, we know that Christ died on the cross for our sins, isn't it? It led, it brought
1: his death. So we cannot underestimate any sin. But why would John use this statement, leads to death? Now much has been written
0: on the question of what this sin is that leads to death and much ink has been poured about this and uh, uh, i'll not go through uh, all the views but i'll give uh, the view that i would see that it best represents the context of this passage now one of the things i've noticed is that whenever people try to answer the question of what this sin is that leads to death, is that people tend to jump to other books. But then I want us to just take time and look at the letter of First John to see what John is exactly talking about so that we may see the threat of sin because I believe this is the main point of John. John wants to show us that sin is serious and that's why we must be on the lookout for it and that's why we must pray for one another to God. A close look at the whole letter of John will show that this is not a particular sin.
1: If this was the case, wouldn't John have told us about it? I mean, it would be unfair
0: and even wrong for John to mention something in his letter that he expects you to find what he's saying in another book.
1: The answer is found within the same letter, 1 John. So it would be unfair if John has not mentioned
0: it or has not talked about it. And why should, or if it is a, a mysterious, hidden sin? Why would the apostle keep it from us? and hide such an important truth if this sin is this deadly. I would like us to see that John has already revealed the nature of this sin in his letter. And this is it, that John is not talking about a particular sin, but he is
1: talking about an attitude towards sin. Notice that in, the, in his letter, John labors to condemn and renounce
0: an attitude towards sin, which is translated in our English Bible as practice of sin. Just put the next slide. Look at this. Huh? I want us to see how many times John talks about practice of sin. Because I believe this holds the key to what he is talking about.
1: In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, look at what he says. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also does what? Practices lawlessness. Verse 6 No one who abides in him does what? Keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him.
0: Verse 8: whoever makes a practice of sinning is of who?
1: Of the devil. Now look at that. John is pointing to
0: an attitude towards sin
1: a stubborn
0: attitude towards sin, where someone has reached, although they call on the name of Christ, although they profess to be believers, although they would stand and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. You look at their conduct, you look at their lives, and
1: they practice sin. They are given to sin. They love sin. Sin is not something that is a struggle, because true believers struggle with sin. They do fall into sin, but they don't practice sin. Verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. So when John is talking here about the sin that is mortal, he's talking about an attitude where sin is a practice.
0: And we need to see that the the word practice in our English Bible is a Greek word uh, poyeho, which means to abide in, to agree
1: with, to bond with. All right? So that's the picture he's putting. Someone who abides in something, they are one with that sin. This goes much deeper. This reality of of practicing
0: sin goes much deeper than the act of sin or an act of sin. It points to an attitude. An attitude that loves sin. An attitude that even views sin as advantageous. You know what that is where someone looks at their sin and sees their sin being advantageous to them. That, yes, this is a sin, but I am gaining something from my sin. Without this sin, I will not have... Now, I don't know whether you have heard people say that.
1: Yes, I mean, I know um, this... Practice
0: of, let's say, uh, asking for bribes and taking bribes. I know it's sin, but you know, I have used that to build my own home. I have used that to educate my
1: children. In other words, please don't touch my Don't touch my sin. Leave my sin alone. This is a person who
0: is in danger of death. I would even say, possibly, they don't even have life in them. Because how can those who are dead to sin defend their own sin? You know, true believers, a genuine believer, when they are caught up in sin, and that sin is exposed, what happens? What happened to David when Nathan said, you are the man?
1: What did David do? He broke down. He repented. He was broken. A Christian can fall into sin but when it is exposed. How they hate it. It is like something that
0: you eat and enjoy, but it gives you troubles the next morning. That's how sin is to believers. It gives them trouble. Their conscience will not allow them to live with themselves.
1: So John is warning and he's saying that a lifestyle where one practices sin shows that spiritual life was never
0: infused into that person in the first place. They do not have the life of God in them. And that's why, again, he says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 9, no one born
1: of God makes a practice of sinning. They were not born of God. They never knew God. They were never his. They were like Judas, who was with Christ.
0: Who hung around Christ? Who had the teachings of Christ?
1: I mean, imagine Judas had his feet washed with, by Christ. Right? Isn't it?
0: The feet of Judas were washed just like the feet of other, the other apostles.
1: Judas went out,
0: and he did miracles, just like the other apostles. Because you remember when Christ sent out the apostles two by two, all of them came back and they said what? We were able to cast out demons, isn't it? We were able to heal the sick. No one came and told Jesus. By the way, we noticed something funny about Judas, eh? He tried to cast out demons and uh, didn't work out. Did they? Did they say that? No. Judas did everything that they could do, and that's why even when they were at the table, they could not suspect. But
1: deep down, he knew. Deep down, he was given to sin. He was being led by sin, he was walking towards death, he loved his sin, he loved his sin so much that even when he is caught, he doesn't repent, he simply cries, but he doesn't repent. This is the threat of sin, dear brethren. That just a little
0: play around with sin can bring you to a point where you now become a practitioner of sin, an expert of sin. You are such an expert at sin that you know how to do the sin, you know how to hide the sin, you know how to
1: excuse your sin, and you know how to Push back anyone who touches your sin. That is it. Practice of sin. John is saying to us, watch out. Watch out. If you are there, you don't have life. You may act like you have life. You may
0: act like a Christian. You may hang around Christians. You may even like hanging around Christians. But you are dead. Inside. And John was warning those who are in the church. And John is still warning those who are in this church, even today, watch out. Sin
1: can take you captive. Play around with it just a little bit. And you will be taken captive. Don't defend your sin. Don't hide your sin. When a brother or a sister comes to you
0: and they rebuke you over a certain sin, please deal with it when the word of God preached from this pulpit deals with a particular sin in your life, please don't resist it. Sin is serious, dear brethren. For the unbeliever who is listening to me, you're still in your sins. You're still thinking, well, my sin is not that big. I don't need to repent. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to come to Christ. I have it all together. No, listen.
1: The sin of our father Adam brought death. And all of us were born under sin because of our father Adam. And when
0: God there was talking about death, He he didn't just mean physical death, He also meant spiritual death. And eternal death. Where those who do not repent of their sins, those who still remain with their sins and hide it and hold on to it, like Sodom and Gomorrah, they will be in eternal flames. They will be in eternal suffering, away from the presence of God.
1: They will be under the torment of being separated from God. Turn
0: away from your sins. Believe in Christ, and he will save you. Even today, you don't have to wait for this service to come to an end. Even now as I preach, please repent,
1: and he will save you. So watch out. Sin if you But then lastly, or thirdly, I want us to see We've been encouraged to pray. We have been encouraged not
0: to underestimate the threat of sin. But then,
1: there is a relief at the end. There is a statement of comfort at the end, in verse 17. That you,
0: dear saint, you who is in Christ, Do not despair of being overcome by sin. In verse 17, he puts it this way. All wrongdoing is sin. But there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now, the best advice to a soldier fighting in in a heated battle in the front line is to remind them of the danger of the enemy But to also remind them that they are fighting a defeated
1: enemy, an enemy who cannot overcome them. And this is what John says in the last statement. This line is added
0: by John for the relief of the saints, and especially the weak believers amongst us who may be under heavy temptation and battle with sin. Because there are those who are genuinely believers, but they are under heavy temptation. They are under heavy battle
1: with sin. And John gives them this statement. That yes, they may fall into sin.
0: Yes, they may have fallen into sin. They may have fallen into sin that is
1: public. A sin that is embarrassing. That is shameful.
0: A sin that is a scar on them. But he's saying, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. It will not lead to your spiritual death. Why? Because you
1: are in Christ. A statement of relief. A statement of comfort. John in a loving way knows that when the saints
0: hear of the seriousness of sin and that a lifestyle or a practice of sin is an indicator of spiritual death, some might fear that they have already or they are already under such a predicament. But John comforts them. Comfort is brought to the weak and those who struggle that they have not
1: and they cannot cross the line into death because they are in Christ. Because Christ has died for their sins. Because the Holy
0: Spirit of God endures them, they cannot be overcome by sin.
1: Yes, sin might tempt them, Sin might battle against them, and sometimes yes, they will fall. Sometimes they give in to their own shame, but it can never keep them down. You know, the book of in Proverbs, the writer
0: of Proverbs says that those who are righteous, the righteous man may fall how many times? seven times but they will do what they will always rise up seven showing that even what we might think that oh this will destroy this person
1: they will still rise from their sins they will not stay there
0: John here is demonstrating that believers are tempted and sadly do fall into sin now and again. But they are not and they cannot be mastered by sin such that they would be those who practice sin since they have the life of God. And this is why John in, first, in, in uh, verse, chapter 3 and verse 9 he says, No one born of of God, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. What a wonderful, victorious promise. What a wonderful, relieving promise that for the saint,
1: our sin, does not lead to death. But the work of God in us will always lead us
0: to repentance, will always lead us to humility. Even though believers are guilty of much unrighteousness, some of it public and humiliating, yet God will in his mercy forgive and preserve them in Christ, and they will not be marked by a life of sin. This statement not only comforts us, but it also
1: energizes us to fight sin. When we are assured that true believers cannot
0: sin in a way that they fall away from Christ, since he has granted them eternal life, We no longer see ourselves in the fight with sin as victims, but as victors. And that's the call for us as saints. Are you under temptation of sin?
1: Have you fallen into sin? Run to the cross. Run to the same Christ who saved you. Run to him. Hide yourself in him. Do not play around with your sin. Cast it out. Confess it to brethren so that they may pray for you. Share it with others so that they may hold you accountable. For those who are in Christ, sin can never have a hold on them. But then again to the unbeliever. The truth is that
0: while for the believer we do not despair of being overcome by sin and the consequence of of sin, which is death, for the unbeliever the reality is that you
1: are, because of sin in your life, you are under the judgment of God and because you are under the judgment of God, All that is awaiting you is judgment in hell. Please do not wait any longer. Don't
0: cling to your sin. Don't say, well, this sin is too strong. I cannot deal with it. Or let me first of all deal with my sin and then I will come to Christ. No, you come to Christ. Run to him. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He will save you. He will cleanse you. He will give you a new heart. A heart that hates sin. A heart that loves righteousness. A heart that is given to living a holy
1: life. Come to him and he will save you.
0: Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning
1: morning we thank you for your word oh lord we have seen the responsibility
0: that we have to watch out for one another the responsibility we have not to keep quiet when we see brother falling into sin oh lord help us to play our duty to exercise our duty
1: as members of one church. Help us, O oh Lord, that we would gather together so that
0: our fellow brethren may be into our lives and so that we may be into the lives of each other so that when sin comes, when sin tries to bring a counter-attack, we may help one another as we pray for each other oh lord help us to pray for one another help us O oh lord not to be quick to speak before we pray help us not to even be quick to speak to the person before we bring them before you oh lord give us a heart of prayer and we pray O oh lord that you would help us to see the danger of sin in our own life oh lord we pray that we may not be those who practice sin
1: O Lord, may it not be that there are those who are dead in our midst
0: because they practice sin and yet claim to be in you. O Lord, please bring repentance. And we pray, O Lord, that even as we have been comforted by the words that for the believers, they can never cross this line. That although we sin and how terrible our sin is, yet it cannot lead to death. May these words comfort us and strengthen us to live godly lives that honor and please you. That we may fight off sin, kill sin that linger so closely in us.
1: So be with us, Lord, for we pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen.